I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. It has been a hell of a long time and no one's going to be arguing that, but after a lot of reshuffling, a lot of new technology and getting replaced and just getting everything back on track, the podcast has returned and will continue to be back. You can expect three podcasts a week, likely Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are when they're going to be dropping on everything Denver Nuggets throughout the offseason, as well as once we get into the regular season, when we'll probably kick up the energy and get a little bit more podcasts coming out for the regular season. So you will be hearing me a lot more often. You will be getting a lot more of this. So make sure you subscribe to Denver Nuggets Daily on iTunes. It will be up on Stitcher and Google Play and all those other ones soon enough. Um, A little bit of bad news to get to. If you've been listening to to this podcast for a little while, you'll know that Brendan Vogt was my co-host. He has actually accepted a job with the enemy Denver Stiffs as much as I love them, but he is now gone and will not be on the podcast consistently. While he may be a traitor, you will hear him from time to time on the podcast just as a guest or coming on for a segment of an article that I like that he wrote. But you will be seeing a lot of his work over at denverstiffs.com as well as on podcasts from the Locked On Network with Adam Marez, who does a wonderful job with the Locked On Nuggets podcast. And definitely check out his work over there. But... Now that Brendan is gone, it is time to focus on what we are doing here, which is evaluations for the end of the season. I'm going to go through every single player on the roster that played a significant role or contributed in some capacity throughout the season, and we're going to start at point guard and go all the way down through center. So from the very, very beginning of this, we're going to start with Jamal Murray of everybody, and then we're going to finish with Nikola Jokic by the end of the series. So... Let's just get things out there. Jamal Murray, in his second year, was able to come out and put up a stat line of 16.7 points a game, 3.7 rebounds a game, 3.4 assists, 1 steal, and only 2.1 turnovers a night. This is a kid who is starting his first year as a point guard in the brutal Western Conference in the Northwest Division, which is arguably one of the toughest divisions in basketball, and really put up just phenomenal numbers top to bottom. He also was able to shoot 45% from the field, 37.8% from three, and 90.5% from the free throw line. He really got it done for the Nuggets in multiple different capacities, and because of that, the Nuggets were able to get through the absences of Paul Millsap for a long period of time, Wilson Chandler for periods of time, Will Barton missed time with an ankle injury. I mean, he really was able to fill in the gaps as everybody kind of went through these injury struggles throughout the year, and he really has left the Nuggets thinking that they probably have a future cornerstone now in Jamal Murray to rely on for the long-term future. Him paired with Nikola Jokic really seems to be the foundation that the Nuggets want to set and really build off of from the future as well as Gary Harris, which we'll get into at a different time. 
But the way these podcasts are going to kind of work is that we are going to go through, we're going to talk about the offense and the defense individually for things that they did well and for things that each player did or needs to improve on throughout the year. So let's just get things started with the fun part of this. Let's get into Jamal Murray's offense and what he did well this year offensively. After his first season, where he really didn't have the same ability to knock down shots that we all thought he might have coming into the league, he only hit 33.3% of his three-pointers throughout that season, shot 40% from the field in his rookie year. He blew that out of the earth this year with his jump shooting. He is now shooting up to 37.8% from three, including some slumps, and has improved his, his field goal percentage by almost 5%, up to 45.1%. That is a massive jump for a guy who took let me see here yeah almost or over four shots more per game and more than one three per game extra than he did his rookie year from top to bottom he was a better jump shooter than he was and to see his jump shot come back was huge for this Nuggets team synergy which is a database that I'll refer to a lot throughout these player evaluations it's essentially a database that compiles all of the different data from each individual possession. So if Jamal Murray takes a pull-up jump shot off the pick-and-roll from the left side of the court, all of those little things are accounted for. And because of that, they can reorganize it and rearrange it in ways that provide patterns for us to kind of see and build off of in terms of what we see. So Jamal Murray, by that database, is a 75th percentile as a jump shooter, which means he's in the top 25% in the NBA as a jump shooter. What's really promising about his jump shooting is the catch and shoot jump shooting. He's in the 92nd percentile overall, which is just insane. He's scoring 1.278 points per possession on just overall catch and shoot jump shooting, and that's that's a number that is elite. If he's able to continue doing that, which by all expectations he should continue doing that, having that kind of a lethal shooter around, alongside Nikola Jokic just makes the floor that much more open and makes this Nuggets offense that much more lethal. I think a big part as to why the Nuggets offense continued to produce at such a high rate even though they went away from Jokic ball for such long stretches and they had to implement Paul Millsap and Wilson Chandler had to come into the starting lineup and wasn't the same offensive player and there were so many differences they were still able to produce because having that kind of level of shooting alongside Nikola Jokic from the point guard position just continues to open the floor and make this offense just a completely different level than it was. On top of that it wasn't just his jump shooting that was expanded. To see him be a three-level scorer and be able to score off the dribble and off the catch from the three-point line, to see him pull up and hit elbow jumpers in the pick-and-roll and be able to make space in that way. I mean, even when you look at him hitting floaters and runners, according to Synergy, again, he's in the 85th percentile on runners where he's scoring 1.023 points per possession. Being able to combine that mid-range game and being able to pull up early and almost trick and fool the defense into thinking that you're going to the rim and create that space is huge for a jump shooter who doesn't have tons of shake, who doesn't have tons of freakish athleticism vertically or horizontally. So for him to be able to have that third level of scoring in the mid-range to where defenses have to honor it to a degree, it opens up his ability to score at the rim, which is what we saw this year, where that creativity of him just exploding at the rim or finishing on the other side of the rim or powering up and getting these and one finishes, the reason he's able to showcase those skills and those creative finishes at the rim is 
because he gets that extra half step where defenses don't rotate over yet because they think he could be pulling up from the elbow or he could be hitting a runner if they pull, if they come around too early. So he's being able to be that three-level scorer and, manip and manipulate defenses more than most second-year lead guards do, especially ones that don't have an incredible amount of point guard savvy like Jamal Murray does, which we'll get to later. So being able to see him continue to bend defenses with his offense, not just with the shooting in terms of from the three-point line or off of the catch, but in different ways is so important for his overall development down the line. The other thing that was really popped for me was how he actually improved his efficiency throughout the year, and he continued to take more and more shots. His effective field goal percentage jumped up 4%, more than 4% this year, but he took, let me see here, what was the total extra shots? He took almost 300 extra shots this year, and he got 5% better in terms of, of, of effective field goal percentage, which takes into account three-pointers. That is absurd for a lead guard who was tasked with a ton of responsibility as injuries continued to hurt this Nuggets team throughout the year. So to see that not only can he put up volume numbers, but he can do it efficiently at the same time is so important for his development and the Nuggets' development again, because it shows that they can rely on him in different situations. He's not only able to produce alongside Nikola Jokic or without Paul Millsap or anything like that. He was able to find ways to assist and score in different ways throughout the year in a multitude of different facets, and being able to be that diverse and versatile within these lineups that the Nuggets can play positionalist with Nikola Jokic playing as his point center is so valuable long term, and he continued to show that that is a part of his arsenal and something that he can continue to cultivate throughout the year. There's going to be tons of stuff about his offense that was great because he took just a massive leap this year in terms of being able to be a scorer for this Nuggets team at such a young age. And the biggest thing that is beyond just the raw numbers scoring that I think was important was that he showed a killer instinct. There were moments where you would... I would be sitting on press row with Adam Matez of Denver Stiffs and Matt Moore of the Action Network and Harrison Wynn of BSN Denver, and we'd just be looking at, at, our, at each other and being like, there's a big Jamal Murray run coming. Like, that kid's about to open up and explode. And... You could see it, you could sense it, and it would happen. That killer instinct, that ability to just take the ball and be like, I am going to gut out this win on my own, even if I have to, even if nobody else helps me, I'm going to find a way. The Nuggets have not had that type of alpha on the court in a long time. He really has embodied that kind of player, the kind of guy to just explode onto the scene and show everybody that he can really rumble with the best of them and get going when he needs to, when his team needs him to, and be that killer on the court if everything is kind of going away. And for a Nuggets team that is full of a bunch of really just nice guys, they don't really have that one pardon my French, but asshole, who can go out and just get what he needs and what his team needs to be able to get to the next level. And that falls right into what really happened with Jamal Murray when he was playing without Paul Millsap. Without Paul, Jamal Murray was able to average 17.2 points per game, 4 rebounds, and 3.3 assists while shooting 47.1% from the field, 42.1% from the 3-point line, and 91.3% from the free throw line. He was the third leading scorer on the team and was just very, very good from top to bottom. So having Jamal Murray being able to step up at this young age in those moments when they were without Millsap, without their second best player, was so important because it shows that he has that drive to be that guy, to really force himself into the limelight when he is needed to and to become a focal point when he is needed to. 
Um, one of the other very important positives that we saw this year from Jamal Murray's offensive game, and it's definitely part of his defensive game as well, is that that explosion, the the athleticism when he has a full head of steam came back after having that core muscle surgery rebuilding thing that he had throughout the last offseason. Him coming in and being able to explode to the rim when he needs to, him being able to use his power to explode into guys and hang in the air and get and one finishes and things like that, really contributed to his ability to become that three-level scorer that I spoke about earlier. It also helps his three-point shot because getting enough rise on that three-pointer and getting that explosion at the bottom half of his body is what allows him to get the power throughout the rest of his core into to the into his actual jump shot so him having that core strength back helped him as a jump shooter helped him get into the rim and it helped him as a defender so that was huge to see him to show that explosion to show that verticality and things like that now that he did have that surgery to address all of the issues that he did have in that core issue that's the same core issue by the way that mason Plumley had surgery for this offseason and is recovering from right now um the last thing i wanted to get to with his the positives from his offensive game and i know i've gone a little bit longer on this is the fact that he was in the 98th percentile per synergy on putbacks or offensive rebound putbacks. That is absurd. I know he's a guard and it's a smaller sample size, but to have 1.533 points per possession on offensive rebounding putbacks is just insane for a guard. And you saw it. You saw him have some big time offensive rebounds where he was able to go right back and right back up and put a shot up, or he was able to just dunk it back down himself. He is a much better offensive rebounder than he is advertised as, and I think that you really saw that throughout the year this year. So that was definitely something that I thought was interesting and important throughout the year as a development is that that's part of his game that we really didn't see much of before in his college days or in his rookie year because he was dealing with that core injury. So to see him be able to get up and use that rebounding ability to his advantage is huge for him on the offensive end and has allowed the Nuggets to have extra possessions and for Jamal himself to continue adding to his production overall just at raw numbers. There's certain things that Jamal also needs to improve upon offensively. Um, the biggest of which, in my opinion, and the thing that can set the Nuggets up for the next level of being a great offense is his ability in isolation. As of right now, he's a 44th percentile isolation offensive player, which isn't great. It's not bad. It's actually listed as average on Synergy. He's scoring uh, 0 0.824 points, uh, points per possession over about 136 possessions. It's his fifth most used play type. So it's it's not like he uses tons of it. It's not like he's, you know, consistently bad in it. But he doesn't have that elite level shake. He doesn't have that elite level quickness. He doesn't have the ball skills to really blow guys away. He really falls back on his step back jumper. And if guys bite on the step back, he's able to hang the hezzy dribble and be able to get by them on a first step to the rim. Other than that, he doesn't have a ridiculous amount of moves with the ball in his hands to be able to set himself up in isolation to get a bucket when he needs it. He has the shooting ability. He has the touch in the mid range and he has the finishing ability to be able to be a high level isolation score, but he needs to find ways to either diversify his handles and that skill set that he has there, basically just that toolbox of moves with the ball in his hands to create space, or he needs to somehow find a way to get a little bit quicker or get that first step to get a little bit more explosive. Nobody gets ridiculously more athletic as they progress throughout their careers, but you can add percentage points to how much quicker you are from year to year. And I think Jamal Murray is a guy that if he adds 5 to 10% more quickness to his overall level, it can make a very 
very big difference in the production on the court. So I think getting that isolation basketball, his ability to move with the ball in his hands and get by guys and have that first step is going to be really important for the Nuggets offense that is so ball movement dominated. If they can be able to score efficiently without having that Jokic ball mentality, it just adds another wrinkle to this offensive team that is not really able to be scouted for or able to be stopped and that is just another trait to make this Nuggets team back to that elite level offensively. The other thing he needs to improve on is just his overall point guard skills. He has a couple moves in the pick and roll where you can see where you're like, listen, there it is better. You can see how he's improving with his overall passing and feel in the pick and roll, making pocket passes left-handed and right-handed, finding shooters because he is a little bit bigger than the average point guard and being able to kick out to those shooters. He added a baseline left-handed skip pass to the corner. Those are tough passes to make, and he's slowly adding them, but he needs more to become that well-rounded offensive threat. I mean, when you look at his number, as a scorer in the pick and roll as the ball handler, he's in the 63rd percentile. As a his offense total, including passes in the pick and roll, goes down to the 44th percentile, and he becomes more of an average player at that point. You don't want to see that drop off, especially considering how many shooters, how many talented players are usually surrounding him on the offensive end and how much space and room there usually is. He needs to be able to find a way to continue to be a positive player in pick and rolls as well and learn the nuances of being a point guard at the NBA level. It's the toughest thing to do in basketball, in my opinion, is to come into the league without elite-level point guard skills and then learn how to be a point guard. And it's going to take a while. It's probably going to be three years before Jamal Murray develops a lot of these skills because that's just the curve. I mean, Mike Conley, for his first five years, was not the player that he is now. Isaiah Thomas was the same way. You can even go look at Kyle Lowry in Toronto, where the he wasn't even looked at as a starter for the first six years of his career. Jamal Murray is ahead of the curve in comparison to those guys, even where they were at their start of their career. He needs to take the next step and learn how to become that lead guard at the, in the, at the NBA level in the Western Conference and separate himself as a point guard, not just as a lead guard or a scoring guard. Nikola Jokic is going to be the fulcrum of this Nuggets offense. I'm not trying to take the ball out of his hands, but the Nuggets and Jamal Murray need to be able to have other playmakers around Nikola Jokic that can also con that can create offense for themselves as well as for teammates, and that starts in the pick and roll with, with Jamal Murray. Um, the other thing, too, is getting his three ball to that lethal level. If he can begin to bend the court even at like 40% that Steph Curry does, it's going to, again, allow that next step for that Nuggets offense to become even more unguardable. Right now, when he is shooting off the dribble, he's only shooting he's only in the 56th percentile at about the .858 points per possession mark. So it's not like he is really blowing anybody out of the water in that realm. I mean, he shot 37% on jumpers off the dribble, which isn't terrible, but it's also not very good. So being able to add those pull-up threes, being able to come up in transition off the dribble and hit those pull-up threes in transition, those are things that can continue to warp the court and make the Nuggets even more lethal than they were even before. And really, Jamal Murray is that key to unlocking the next stage the next evolution of this Nuggets offense.
Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, I just wanted to remind everybody that we are presented by Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all of the brands that you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves at having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come into one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. All right, let's get back into the rest of the end-of-season evaluation for Jamal Murray. Let's get it, it, the defense is next, and I'm gonna just give you a PSA from the top. It is not going to be the most fun conversation. The one place that Jamal Murray really needs to fix his game is on the defensive end, especially because the Nuggets do not have a rim protector uh, at the center position. Nikola Jokic is never gonna garner any ridiculous respect for his defensive ability. So Jamal Murray, at the point of attack, struggling and not being the kind of defender that the Nuggets need him to be, could end up being quite a big deal in the long term. So let's start with the things that he was good at because there were a couple things that Jamal Murray brings to the table defensively that not everybody gets from their point guard position. Uh, the number one thing that Jamal Murray always brings is insane effort, 110% kind of personality. Um, he really does have an insane motor and is tenacious and will fight and scrap and claw and do what he can to make things more difficult for the opposition. He doesn't give in, he doesn't bend, he's not one to ever shy away from a challenge. He's also quite a good rebounder with, for all of the skills that I just listed off really do serve him well on the glass. He's usually either spacing the floor or has the ball in his hand, so he's not necessarily in a position to get tons of rebounds either defensively or really offensively, but when he does get into position, he is a better rebounder than advertised. He can crash the glass better than those point guards. He's a legit 6'4", so he has the size to get up there. Um, when he gets running off of a, off a full head of steam and has the ability to jump off one foot, he does have the vertical athleticism to be able to get up and over bigger guys, so he does have a better rebounding acumen than most guards do at the point of attack and at that point guard position. Uh, the other thing too is that that tenacity, that aggression, it definitely shows itself in 50-50 balls and being able to lay out and put his body on the line to get extra possessions for the, for the Nuggets. So he does have things defensively that he brings to the table that are better than most guards or some guards in the NBA. I don't even want to say most, just some. But when you get into the rest of the equation, he really, really struggles. Overall, Jamal Murray is in the 10th percentile defensively. That means that According to Synergy, 90% of NBA players are better defenders than he is. That is abysmal, it is atrocious, it's all of the bad adjectives that you can throw at it without a doubt, and there's no arguing that. It is just a really, really low point in his game, and he needs to find a way to raise that number. Um, the most important part of his defense that he needs to improve is just his one-on-one -on -one containment at the point of attack. If he is going to be the Denver Nuggets' long-term answer at the point guard position, he needs to find ways to keep defending or opposing point guards in front of him. As of right now, he's not doing that. At the point of attack, according to Synergy, he's in the 29th percentile defending pick-and-roll ball handlers. That Again, that means that 71% of players in the NBA are better at defending 
ball handlers in the pick and roll than Jamal Murray is. A big reason why is that he just gets killed on screens. Um, he needs to get stronger to fight through those screens and to, and to keep position in front of the guy that he is defending. And he just needs to become a little bit more aware of when picks are coming and to not just go under every pick and trying to recover late. Every time that he gives a point guard a one or two step advantage on him. That's another one or two step advantage he has on Nikola Jokic when Jokic rotates over to try and contest shots at the rim. That's a recipe for disaster for the Nuggets, and then he needs to find a way to get better at that. In addition to point of attack defense, and it kind of relates in the same way, but and the way that Jamal Murray gets killed on screens kills him off-ball as well. He's in the 11th percentile defending spot-up jump shots, and that's where he's giving up 1.192 points per possession. That is so, so, so bad. If you can't get around screens and defend shooters off of the ball, he you're just going to become an unserviceable defender if you're also a negative at the point of attack. So the combination of not being able to get around screens is hurting Jamal Murray on and off-ball, and he needs to find a way to defend in some impactful way and produce in some impactful way as just a defender, as a team defender, as an isolation defender, something. And talking about isolation, he's just as terrible in isolation. He was in the 10th percentile in isolation defense, giving up 1.13 points per possession. I don't know what he can do because he's not a great lateral or horizontal athlete. He's not going to blow you away in terms of his strength. He is a big enough guy to where he can start to create more turnovers and at least body up on point guards, but somehow, some way, Jamal Murray needs to give the Nuggets more at the point of attack to alleviate some of the defensive issues that Nikola Jokic has. Because right now, with both of these players being as bad as they are defensively, it is a death sentence for this Nuggets defense, and they're really not going to improve much beyond that 20th mark in the NBA, give or take, you know, a couple positions, unless they find a way to either address that situation or one of the two improves in a massive way. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is just the number one most important thing to improve on for Jamal Murray, and that is the defense. In some way, somehow, some shape, some form, Jamal Murray needs to be a, become a better defender. I don't know what it's going to take or how long it's going to take or what it's going to culminate into, but he needs to find a way to help this Nuggets team more on the defensive end of the ball. And until he does, the Nuggets are going to continue being an atrocious defensive unit and they're going to consistently get beaten by teams in these high-scoring games and not be able to win the grinded-out uh, games at the clip and at the efficiency that they want to do. Uh, the next guy that we will be getting to will be Devin Harris, the backup point guard that the Nuggets were going with for the second half of the season that was acquired at the trade deadline. Thank you to everybody for listening. We appreciate it. It means a lot to my life. Sports means a lot to me. And if you can please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts, I will con continually keep putting this podcast on more and more platforms, doing my best to get it everywhere that I can. But without your feedback, without your subscribes, without all of your comments about what I can do better and what the podcast can do more of, it's never going to improve. So as much as me doing this podcast is important, I need you guys to give me as much response as you can. But for people who have stuck around, it means a lot. And this podcast will be back around a lot more often. Um, again, I am TJ McBride. I am the host of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. You can find all of my work at milehighsports.com. You can follow me at Twitter, um, at TJ McBride NBA. And I write all over the place for milehighsports, Broncos, Rockies, Nuggets, Avs, whatever. But thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day.
The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. 